You know, it's funny. You're, we're into your school year. Yeah. Kind of realize that it's like you know your summertime is going to be our time. Yep. To do much material, and so this is our second episode since the school year started up in the um, Cabarrus. You Cabarrus County? I'm guesting. Yeah. Guesting. Okay. Yeah, West yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah, West West Charlotte area. Mm. And um, our subscribers and our subscription has grown <laughs> as we've done less. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a fortunate blessing to have. So shout out to all of our new subscribers since yeah. we've. Uh, thanks for coming to hang out. Yeah, thanks for coming along for this ride and this journey with one of my dear, dear friends in life. So this song was fascinating. I kind of want to start with your song. Okay. <clears throat> I, I was thinking as okay. I was, as, as I, today, today's episode is about um, Lupe Fiasco's Dumb It Down and um, Leonard Cohen slash Jeff Buckley's song Hallelujah. And um, I was thinking how sort of appropriate to your life the hallelujah song was right now like it, it was it it I almost said something about like maybe this is hitting a little too close to home maybe we'll kick it down the road a little bit but the the last thing i wrote on here is i want to hear your thoughts honestly i mean i, I wrote some well, stuff about well, it but well, well, well i thought a lot of things about it i was like hey it's definitely mimicking some of my life story right now mm. and in and, and on a spiritual level i love I was just fascinated at the way that this song was uh, told and woven. And yeah, it did hit like a little close to home. Like I was listening to it this morning when I was dropping my daughter off to work again, you know, and it's just me alone in the car and it's kind of early in the morning. And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, creepy. Yeah. <laughs> this song gets under your skin, like, and, and not just yours. Like it, it's one of those songs that, that touches in a way that not a whole lot of just, a guy with the guitar songs do. No, this this is different. Yeah. The, I mean, okay, so I had to check myself because, well, you know, I'm going through some of these things that he's speaking about. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going through a breakup. You know, uh, I'm going through a transition with my own faith. The song's called Hallelujah. Yep. You know, I'm literally finding different places and spaces with my faith. And, you know, he's pretty much, I mean, <clears throat> this isn't like a breakup song no. per se, but it's got the feeling of a breakup song. Does that, does that, does that no, make it, sense? It, it is, it's processing through the emotions of right, uh, a probably, very complicated relationship. Yes. There we go. Yeah. That, I, I'm about to say, maybe it was hitting so close because I, I haven't even like really found the words. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah to describe like how it's making me feel because it's like I feel connected to it. And one of the things that I think is beautiful is, is that it's either in, I believe it's the first verse or the second but the second verse. Mm-hmm. Well, he's explaining a lot of biblical stories yep. in one fell swoop yep. and kind of putting them together like um, you know um, Aesop's fable side like in a yep. collection but he's putting it in a verse and I just thought about, you know, just the artist in me is like, that's really, really creative. That's really, mm-hmm. really brilliant. That's very hard to do. And I also said, well, he knows all these stories that makes him a believer. Because mm-hmm. there's some David and Bathsheba in there. There's some Saul in there. There's some Saul. And I was like, oh, okay. And Samson and Delilah too. Yeah, sure. Samson uh, and Delilah with the hair. Yes. Yeah. 
So, I mean, for those of you who don't know the lyric to the second verse, it's, my faith was strong, but I needed proof. I saw her bathing on the roof. The, her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you. She tied you to the kitchen chair and broke your throne and cut your hair. And from your lips, you drew a hallelujah. Um, that's, I mean, th that poetry is just like, it, I mean, like I've heard the song, you said you'd never heard it before, but the song, I've heard the song thousands of times and it's still like makes my skin crawl I mean, a little bit. That's one of the better songwriting lyrics that I think I've ever heard. Oh, it's, and it's, it's not because I'm a believer. It's because I know what songwriting and song lyrics and, and the, the complexity of it mm -hmm. and the density of it explained so briefly and brilliantly and beautifully. Yeah. No, the, what it does, and, and better than, and the reason we'll get around to Lupe in a second, but like I paired these songs together on purpose because they're both virtuoso lyricists. Like okay. they're both incredible, incredible lyricists. And we'll talk about how that works in both of the songs later. But like um, the language in the song is, in Hallelujah is very simple. Like it's, it's, there's no like complicated words really in it, but no um, complicated words, but the way that the, the mm, thing can be put together is, is that's, it's amazing. And, and the, th and the genius of it is like, it does hit differently for people in the Judeo Christian tradition, the Leonard Cohen, the guy who wrote it was Jewish. Um, but so he's like pulling through from like the old Testament texts. It, he is written in a way that even people who aren't coming to the song from the Judeo-Christian tradition can still feel the things that he's talking about. It's very much built and written like a gospel song, even mm -hmm. down to, I mean, <clears throat> the song ends the way a gospel song ends, as in like there's like a minute, minute and a half breakdown and lull, mm -hmm. and then a comeback for a grand finale verse into yeah. a subtle and soft fell swoon of an ending that is, you yeah. know, um, that is straight from the book of Psalms. Yep. You know what I mean? In exactly how it works. And, and I'm sure Leonard Cohen wrote the song that way on purpose. Like, I'm sure it's intentional. Correct. So, so, and that's why I was meaning to ask, well, what type of, and, and I have a couple of questions because I'm not familiar with Jeff Buckley at all. Okay. I had questions about, well, what type of artist is he? Because this album is, the album's called Fall from Grace or Grace or something. It's called like Grace, that. yeah. Called Grace. Mm -hmm. So is he is he um blend the spiritual and the Judeo Christian in his music? Not so much. No, it's not really his. Um, not that he's like opposed to it or anything. It's just not really right. the the like the thrust of his music. Um, okay. He's and he was a. I don't know if he had two albums or just the one. He died really early. He died when he was thirty. Um, he was. Th this was not like a one of the you know you hear all the the artists who had um serious addictions and serious problems in the 90s like you hear lots and lots of stories about those he was not one of those people he um he went swimming in i think in the river or, or somewhere in memphis i think is what i read and he drowned so it was it was not like a like a suicidal thing it wasn't a drug addicted thing it was he just well, some, something just like that happens yeah, that's more horrifying in the sense that it's not a self-inflicted wound. It's not like he was trying to go somewhere. Right. Yeah, his his dad was a famous songwriter. His dad, Tim, was a songwriter, too. So he's he came up in that tradition. Jeff Buckley did. Um, oh. Leonard Cohen Leonard Cohen is the one who wrote the song. Um, he And he recorded it. It didn't become a hit until Buckley's version was played. Um, lots of people have covered it. Regina Spector, Bob Dylan, um, lots of people. But um, Jeff Buckley's version is like, the most famous of the versions. Um, 
and Cohen wrote like 15, 20, 25 verses to the song. Like, and so he, when Jeff Buckley, like it's one of those, another one of those songs where he started playing it live and people are like, you should like record this. Um, and so he picked the five, he obviously asked Leonard Cohen his permission, but like, and he, so Cohen sent him like 15 verses or whatever. And he picked the ones he liked the best. Um, okay. If you, if you've heard, for those of you who haven't heard Leonard Cohen's version of this, the first two verses of the the songs are the same. And then the others are different. I mean, they're similar thematically, but the, the lyrics, the last two verses in Cohen's version and the last three in Buckley's are different. Okay, so why is Buckley's version more famous than the other versions? More specifically, Bob Dylan, because, you know, it's Bob Dylan. Well, D Dylan... First of all, this was the 80s, so this was not Bob Dylan's like heyday. And Cohen's version was like 1984, I think. And Dylan was just one of those guys that like heard the song and was like, oh, that's a really good song. And he, he played it in his shows and stuff. He never, I don't think he ever recorded it like in a studio. I mean, it's on some like live albums and stuff like that. But um, I don't know, man. Like we toy talk all the time about um, the confluence of like time and person and world like it is just one of those i mean he has buckley's version is very reverby too i mean it's like i like that echo in it um like mm -hmm. in his voice and the guitar playing um okay it just it just hit it just hits it just it, it feels it, it, and it doesn't just hit like me it like it, it hit like at that moment in time too this was like 1990 again like 94 95 96 that kind of Right, that kind of time too. The tone, the, the, you know, that's why I mean it's very gospel, like because it's like, and I had to check myself. It's like, well, is it because I'm emotionally going through something that it has me like in this somber and reflective place? And that's why I was asking questions about the artist and what the artist does too, because it's like, and what I'm really trying to ask is like, is this his thing? Is this like what he does well? Because he's doing it excellent. Yeah, he he, like, he was he was a very good songwriter. Um, he also, but there's not a ton of his work. Like it doesn't. Because he died, you know, when he was thirty, and he had not like released a lot of records, so there's not a whole lot to pick from. Also, it sounds really—I mean, you you are familiar enough with rock and roll music from like the mid '90s to to know that this does not sound anything like not even remote. Not even so it, I, th I think it had that something different. Feel. Something different, and it hit. And regardless of your relate not your personal relationship status but like everybody's relationship status like most people have felt some version of these emotions before see this is what i mean is is that well the song on many levels of is about relationship you know what i mean it you is. can take the relationship with the lord relationship with your faith you can take it to relationship you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, and it touches all of those things. It touches all of those things. And so that's the reason I was like, okay, I'm like, why did Andrew pick this song? Because you, you're right, it did hit close to home on a few levels. And that's mm -hmm. why I was like, I was like, oh man, oh man. You know what I'm saying? It's um and then I thought to myself, well, how good lyrically is this guy? Because it's really wonderfully written. And then I thought, 
And that was my final thought was like, well, I want to hear who this guy is as a songwriter because you're pairing it with Dumb It Down, obviously not in terms of content, but maybe no. in terms of lyrical capability. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so so he's a supreme songwriter in your opinion. Yeah. Leonard Cohen is one of the great songwriters. Um, Buckley's is just the performance of it. But like, um, and the performance was great. Um, but but yeah, Leonard Cohen is on on the list with with Dylan and Johnny. I mean, like he's way up in the the upper echelon. He's not nearly as famous um, outside of like the folk rocky world, kind of. But mm -hmm. um, but he but yeah, he was an amazing amazing songwriter. I've heard the name before multiple times. Yeah, but, but this not... this is the song that people would know more than any others. There are plenty of others, but this is this is like the. And it didn't even like break through as a hit for him, really. I mean, he performs, he performed it, you know, obviously. Uh, uh, he performed up until he, he passed away, you know, like not that long ago, I don't believe. But um, he was also in like his 80s, I think. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. But he was a songwriter and poet for most of his life. And he was performing up until he was almost, he had, uh, almost to the time of his passing. Usually how they do it. Yeah. Usually do it so they can't do it anymore. Mm hmm. And his his songwriting doesn't require a virtuoso voice. His voice was pretty good, but it was more like on the Dylan, Bob Dylan end of the spectrum than the like. I guess you could say Jeff Buckley end of the spectrum. I mean, it's not it's not a it's a good voice, but it's not like you're listening to Mariah Carey or something like that. It's not that kind of yeah, vocal it's skills. Type it's, of it's, skills. It's, that's not what it's for. No, I mean yeah. it's. A, not what it, it's not the intent yeah okay so i'm <clears throat> you said the song was written in 1984 i believe so yeah early 80s yeah so is there anything other than like the supreme songwriting and lyrical ability about it that made you compare it to dumb it down because now when you say those things it makes me ask want to ask you well what did dumb it down make you feel because this record made me feel so many things. And Dumb It Down is a record that I love because I felt it was groundbreaking at the time and I still mm -hmm. do. But about what it made me think, not maybe necessarily feel. Mm. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's... Um, that makes my, my uh, Just to give you my thought process, obviously you had conversations with um, Lupe on Twitter and his folks. Um, and we said, you know, hey, let's do one of his songs because because he is a great artist. Like, it's not I don't want to, like, throw shade at him. Like, it's he's, he's a great artist. You sent me this one, the Dumb It Down song. Um, I'd, I was familiar with a couple of his other songs. I wasn't familiar with this one. And I listened to it. And the thing that jumped out at me the most was the wordplay. Um, and we'll talk more about that later. But like. So I wanted to find there aren't very many songs that come from the I'll call it the white world or whatever, the wider world, that both are fairly famous and are like virtuoso lyricists. Ah, oh, I got like you. most of them most famous white people songs, not to put too fine a point on it, are um in more in the paul mccartney tradition that are which is fine it's just no, not thinking, it's just I not the thinking, same thing 
No, I was thinking start me up by the Rolling Stones. Yes, yeah, the same kind of deal. Right, exactly. Right. That's not, and I can't get no satisfaction. I mean, none of those things are like complicated lyrically. They're right. great songs, but they're not, that's not what they're for, right? They're not for the right. showing off the lyrical capabilities of the songwriters. Right. Um, so, the hip hop world, as you have explained it to me, and as I've learned from you, one of the one of the critical bits is the um, the poetry and the like, how things are put together and how things are assembled and like the wordplay and that kind of thing. And that is not. I'm not saying it's unimportant in like rock and roll music or, or country music or whatever, but it's not. It does not have the same focus on it. Well, well, can I? Well, let me well let's go back to that statement briefly. Yeah. When I get that statement, I have to clarify that. That is coming from a traditional and hip hop purist point of view and perspective mm -hmm. about how this craft has always gone. Because when you were saying that and describing the rock stars way, my epiphany was like right now on the show is that well, the rappers now are closer to the rock stars in attitude, behavior, but in what I would say, easy listening writing style yeah. than ever been. And so, the, and, and, and the fact that that goes on now in the hip hop realm more than it ever had makes Dumb It Down more classic to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're doing what he's saying he's not, right? right. Yeah. It's like, you, you, it's almost like Dumb It Down was recorded in 2006, 2007. And so you see, like, it's kind of prophesizing. It coming mm -hmm. to pass too, you know, ab about well, they really want you to dumb it down and you know, kind of be like the rock star and, and make start me up and can't get no satisfaction. And and there's not like there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but mm -hmm. that's why I said, but as a traditionalist and as a purist and fundamentally the way it's always been, well, the goal was never for it to be like a white man's cultural music piece. It was meant to be ours, and so there's even some problematic nature with the rap right. being simplified now. Mm -hmm. And I think you make a very strong point about, like, you know, you're like, this song is big, but it's lyrical, which doesn't happen too often in your spectrum, which is true. Mm -hmm. Like, um, when I think about what's the Sting record that um, Puff Daddy took, Puff took, um, every breath you take. Or I'll, yeah. be I'll be I'll be watching I'll be watching you. It's, uh, it's like it's called Every Breath You Take. I'm pretty sure, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, that song. Yes, that song, and I knew that song before Puff took it because most of us do. That's about as deep lyrical mm -hmm. as we've known our '80s and '70s rockers to get. At least for us on the black side of the familiar. Yeah. like Sting is like, you know, Sting's pretty high up there on that on that list, right? And, and so, police, yeah, yeah, the police. And so when we started taking stuff like that and walk this way, it's like, well, I didn't mind it mm -hmm. so much because it shows the growth, the expansion. It shows the connective tissue, much like we're trying to mm -hmm. show. Right. But the lyrical writing part of it, like, was one of the things, you know, Mike and I were having this conversation on According to Hip Hop on the Patreon show, not even mm -hmm. on the YouTube show, on the Patreon show that we have on Monday. And we were pretty much talking about how, well, you know, record companies pick the MC from all the elements of hip hop and made mm -hmm. that the viable marketable form. Yeah. And so that one gets used and abused more than the DJ does, more than the graffiti does, more than the yeah. B-boy does. And so we have to be more mindful 
about how that hip hop child is treated, the MC part of mm -hmm. it. And that's why the craft and the lyrical the side of it is so important because what corporate corporate America saw was the poetry. And mm -hmm. so there was never any need to really dumb it down. Right. They had already picked the MC as the viable entity from all the other entities. So the right. lyrical side of it, there was nothing wrong with being lyrical to begin with. And so when it started becoming fashionable to dumb down your lyrics, that did become a problem because it's like, oh, no, they were totally cool with us having a message. The message is part of what made it yeah. marketable. Mm -hmm. This is up there songwriting wise on your side of the spectrum in terms of what I've heard. I probably have been more moved by this song than any song that we've listened to so far. But like I said, some of that is just, you know, personal. Yeah. But it's also a song that moves but, a lot of people too. It's right. Not... I think the I think the point of this song is for it to be personal for people. Yeah. And that that's beautiful when you can touch people like this. It is. It's beautiful. It, one of the, the genius the genius of it to me is that it's taking stories that most people who have grown in the Judeo-Christian tradition are familiar with, David and Bathsheba and Samson and Delilah and stuff like that, and writing about them in a way that they're not just stories anymore. They're, they're, they're not removed from our own experience. They are moved in a way that they become our experience too right, well, or well, like you can touch them yourself well that's what it's supposed to be i mean these yeah. these you know it's funny and this is what i mean it's beautiful how you contextualize it it's like well when those stories were originally written it was meant to be relatable well mm -hmm. i mean a woman bathed on the rooftop then you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying and so for us it seems old because of how it happens but you know, you have to look at things through modern day times. It's like, you know, David doesn't see Bathsheba on the roof at night anymore. He sees her in the club at Buckhead at right. night. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. But it's still the same, same, like emotional content. Like, yes. The, I'm not really supposed to be doing this. But I mean, and that's the story of Samson and Delilah, too, right? I mean, it's the same same, not the same story, but like it's the a same power dynamic between a man who was supposed to be all powerful. David was a king, obviously, and um Samson was like a like the biggest, strongest, must buffest warrior guy. And they were both um brought down in some way by a woman. Um uh, well, they're about the songs are about you know about temptation and all those kind of things too. But well that's what I mean. It was like, well, you know, the, the timeless things, you know, temptation, the fall of a man being at the hands of a woman, you know, mm -hmm. it's not yeah. anything new. It's just so when you can explain a timeless theme and make it enjoyable for people, and make it listenable, and touch them in whatever way that you can touch them. Like people might have been touched on the personal level that I was touched, right. but it's hard not to hear this record and feel touched about it in mm -hmm. some sort of way. Even if yeah. you just like the repetitive and simple, stupid formula of repeatedly saying hallelujah, you yeah. get what I'm saying? It works. It, 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 and that's a gospel song too, or a church song thing too. That's just sure. like hallelujah. And they have actually like the somebody like made modern Jesus lyrics about it, and they play it in like contemporary church services too. Not th not this lyric, but they've got different lyrics that are um, more um, church appropriate. I guess <laughs> this is not a. The rest sure. of the song is not. Is more about sexual relationships, obviously, than about um, this, religious right. ones. But it's kind of finding the confluence between 
um, sex and religion and God and love and all of those things. Because I'll say part of where I felt touched by this song, where I felt it, it is like, well, he kind of like relationally feels like the fool. And it's like, no, no, no. I feel that way right now, too, because of what I just went through. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, I understand that. And it's like, oh, no, you think that you have, um, you know, you think that you have a um, a roof, mm -hmm. you know, when you end up having a Jezebel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And it's. And, and again, that's a, a, a relationship context that a lot of people understand. Like yes, where, where I mean, the person that you thought you were with is, doesn't turn out to be what you thought they were. Right. Um, and so, and so there, and this is why there's so many places to even go in the song. And this is what I mean. The song makes you think and you feel it's like, well, it made me think about my relationship. But then it made me think of, think about the pastor that I couldn't trust too. That led me to being out of church for five years. You get what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And it so touches all is, of those pieces. Right. And so this is one of those songs. That's what I was saying. I thought that you, you putting it together with Dumb and Dan was so interesting for me on a personal level because it made me feel, mm -hmm. which made me think about some things and some people. Dumb it down makes me think about some things. Mm -hmm. that makes me feel a certain type of way about the music. Kind of, it's I, all, they're like reverse versions. Like so. reversed effect on what it does for me on a personal level. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very simple hallelujah is a very simple lyric and it, but the way it like you said the way it's put together, um, is very evocative, and mm -hmm. I've never like most songs that use that talk about sex are much more direct, especially in the modern world. There's not many of them that also touch like faith and the ecstatic part of religion too. I mean, like the, remember when I moved in you, the Holy dark was moving to, and every breath we drew was hallelujah. Like that's like, yeah. Like man. on a, on a spiritual level, you could say that, you know, he's casting out spirits and demons and replacing it yeah. with the Holy spirit and the Holy ghost. That's what I mean. On a spiritual level, a believer might hear that and love to hear somebody that's doing secular music speaking that way in faith live on record, mm -hmm. you know, yep. somebody else that's just a fan of songwriting be like, man, this guy got bars. Yeah. You feel does. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like either yeah. way you want to toss it. And so this song is full of that and dumb it down is that way too. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 That's, um, I wanted to say one other thing guitar playing why um the the middle of the first verse says it goes like this the fourth the fifth the minor fall in the major lift like he's like telling you how the song goes together um the, the chords he's playing when he sings that are those chords so it goes like this the fourth the fifth the minor fall and the major lift are, are those that is what the chords are that's what chord is playing when he's singing the yeah, it's, it's, so it's it's, it's a that's another one of those like really intricate moments. And I didn't want to go into it too much, but like, I, I wanted you to, and people, the people to see like how complexly this has been put together. That's extremely complex. Yeah. Cause he's telling you what the chord progression is as he, as he plays it and as he sings it. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. No, that's, no, that that's a fascinating and a fine note and a way to end that song. That's great stuff. Mm. That's it's high level songwriting yeah. at so. the highest level, actually, because when you're literally writing about the notes and the mm -hmm. chords that are being struck, that are the background music to what you're saying, 
Yeah. Yeah. You're, um, and, and making it actually fit into what you're saying too. I mean, the beginning of that song is there. Were, I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? Um, but then he's, then he's using the chord progression to explain that it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift. The you know, I don't King even talk to about like that, that, that special chord almost. It's like, you know, that's one of those myths too. Like, it's like mm -hmm. he's bringing some religious legends to start off the song. Like it's a beautiful record. It is. Yeah. I was super touched by it. We talked earlier about how Hallelujah touched like an emotional or touched your, you, know, you felt it in your gut in a way that a lot of the other songs you hadn't. And that's why we talk about music. Like there's some songs that just like get you in, in, in the chest. Like that's just one of those things. And it has to do with your life experiences. It has to do with the skill of the songwriter and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Dumb It Down, what I was saying was that Dumb It Down touches one of those nerves for me. Um, because I was like labeled like the smart kid, I guess. And I don't say that to brag, but I was labeled that way from by my peers from a very, very young age. Um, and in many ways it made like my life and my like social interactions with other people a lot more difficult. Um, because, and, and when people are labeled that way, when they're really young, and I mean, from like kindergarten, first grade young, um, I had like two coping mechanisms basically. And one of them is to act dumber um, to like pretend you don't know things that, you know, just so you're not like, Ooh, me, 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 like all the time. And the other one was you have to find a way to show off like to you an outlet for that, that ability, I guess. And for me, that was writing. Um, and, and for Lupe, it seems pretty obvious. I don't know him at all, but like, it seems fairly obvious that that was one of his, outlets as well like the the these lyrics in dumb it down are like virtuoso level they're amazing and they're intricate and they are complex and they're using plays on words in a way that i'd never seen anybody do before but i also know all, all that story was to say that i know from experience that people around you tend to react negatively to you when they think you think you're smarter than them. Correct. So what you suffer from is what I suffered from and pretty certain Lupe suffered from too. It's like, well, when you're young and you get labeled the smart kid in the room, mm -hmm. you cope with it a lot of different ways. I think, you know, in all fairness, from knowing you for, you know, more than half my life now, you internalize that more. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a show off. <laughs> I, Lupe, I show off in ways that are not verbal, I guess. Correct. Yeah. Lupe somewhere between you and I, but this is him in his let me up the ante mode is what mm -hmm. this song is. Yeah, absolutely. What he's doing on this record, very few people are capable of doing, and he's aware of that already. Yeah. This is the second album, but he's already aware that, hold on, no, 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 I'm special, special. But I've always been kind of special, special. Let me show you how special I am. Mm -hmm. But part of why I love this record is that his timing on it was appropriate. Because it was coming around in a time where having lyrical dexterity mm -hmm. and ferocity and veracity was dwindling. Okay. And he is on his ascension while 
what he does great or does best, which is being intelligent and being lyrical, is actually being knocked down or dumbed mm-hmm. down a notch. You know, you literally had somebody like Jay-Z on the Black Album talking about, you know, I dumbed down my style to make more dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, Jay's influence on the community is, well, that everybody's running to do that. If that's the secret and that's the ticket, mm-hmm. this is the response to that in a sense, not directly to that, because a lot of people don't know Jay executive produced Lupe's first album, Food and Liquor. A lot of people don't know that. He mm-hmm. was actually going to sign to Rockefeller or Def Jam probably. But this is just a response to all of the dumb it down nature that Lupe is seeing going on. Mm-hmm. But it's also him sticking his chest out and sticking his hand up and saying, hey, I'm the best one in this class. And yeah. I'm about to tell you that I'm the best one in this class. Let's go. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm the smartest yeah. kid in the class, though. Like, like I don't appreciate you behaving stupid, but I'm the smartest guy in the class. Right, exactly. And we it's all know, like- we, and all three of us know, he and the two of us know that most of your peers, most of the time, don't appreciate that. Not just like the record executives or the teachers in our metaphor, but like the the people around you in the class are like who he think he is like they have that kind of reaction too no i mean i deal with it at work to this day on a daily without even having to say much at this point Mm -hmm. you know because when i do speak i speak on a level and with a level of intelligence well that it can make people come make me come off a certain type of way like as i've gotten older i've had to dumb it down and i don't mean like my words i mean like the show off in me it's like oh well i know that I like I, I'm at work all the time and I like I literally, like you said, Andrew, I've turned a little bit of who you used to be. It's like, well, I act like I don't know now. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, be like anybody know how to do that? I'll be like, yep, 10 times over. But I'm just going to walk away and let somebody else do it so that people don't feel a certain type of way. And yep. this is and this is Lupe saying, you want to know what? Fuck all that. Yeah, this is this is how good I am. And all y'all going to look at it now like it's. Right. And 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 I want to be super clear about this. Like, it, it's amazing. Like the, the way it's put together. Those, I mean, the last two verses for me mm. are um, lyrically are some absurd. of the, or if not the best stuff ever. We're talking about like technical skill, mm-hmm. and lyrical pull off, and the use of all literary devices in one fell swoop. Like he runs the gamut on this record. I mean, there's the alliteration, the metaphor, the simile, the double entendre the assonance and the dissonance all happening and it's happening within two or three bars like repeatedly mm-hmm. and repetitively yeah. and constantly to the point that you're actually having to slow yourself down to make sure you're catching everything that he's saying like you know i'm sure i didn't catch everything he's saying like well, I'm... Well, that's what i mean it's like well there's dave Chappelle references in here there's super yep. mario brothers references in here yep. there's matrix uh matrix revolutions references in here yep. You know what I mean? He's going every. That's what I mean when I mean he's running again. He's doing all of this while he's using his literary devices and explaining to you on the hook. He's not about to dumb down his lyrics. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there are a couple of places I can go with this. Like, um, I love the necklace, like the necklace, necklace oh. thing at the end. Like that's so good. And so, it's the reason I love it so much. I mean, beyond because he does something very similar in both of the previous two verses too. Correct. But that one, I, I feel even more attached to because it's the way he sets it up. 
especially sets it up after he's done the first two verses like you see what's coming before he gets there and when when you see where it's coming you're doing the like like the halfway crooks line from eight mile like that kind of you're doing like everybody's saying it at the same time and it becomes yeah and and he so what the genius of that is not just that he put it together but he put it together in a way that makes everybody else feel like they can also participate in it Correct. too. Makes everybody else in the room feel like they're that smart too, not just him like saying, ha ha, I'm smarter than you. Well, here's the That's beautiful hard. Thing. Here's the beautiful thing about it. From a songwriter perspective, one of the smartest things that he did on this record is that he approached it by talking about it. From a, He's talking about his writing perspective from mm-hmm. the place of sensory organs. Yeah. Talking about a mouth that he can taste with. The nose, the the ears, the eyes. And so when he's getting to the end and let's go to it, see, he's already explained all the other senses. Mm -hmm. And you're like, there's no more senses left. And that's when he goes, and I'm brainless, which means I'm headless, like Ichabob Crane is, or foreplay less sexes, which makes me saneless with no let with no neck left to hang a chain with. Which is a necklace, like you, like you, and yes. you know it's coming both from Ichabod Crane, who's the headless horseman, for those right. of you who don't know, and from the yeah, like it's... yes. And so when he's doing it, you're like, and this is what I mean. He's up in the ante because it's like, well, he's already used mouth, ears, and eyes and nose. It's like there's a whole verse left. What is he gonna do? And he goes off, and I'm brainless, which means I'm headless. It's like, oh shit, he's going. He's putting he's them all literally... together now. Like, well, he was going into the sensory organs. Now he's going into the organ that activates all of these. Yep. Right. And so just the start off of the third verse to me is some of the most brilliant stuff ever. Yeah, it's, it's so, so good. It's so, so good. Because he's letting you know, he's like, yeah, I've explained all that. So mm-hmm. I'm brainless. It's like, shit, that's high level. Just, the thought process gives me the chills. You understand? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. how high level this is, the thought process of it. But then it's like you said, with no let, with no neck left to hang the chain with. You know it's coming. You know the necklace is you coming. You know it's coming. Yeah. You know okay. it's coming. And it's like, how is he going to put? Like it even together? the first time I heard the song, I'd never heard that part right. before. I'm like, oh here, we, oh yep, I see, I see where you're going with this, and that, and I love, I love so much that artists that can make their audiences feel like they're in on a joke or they're in on. They're they're smarter, not smarter than the artist, but like sm- they're smart along with them, and like it it brings you along on the journey too. It's so cool, so cool. And then he explains the difference. So let's just stay on the third verse for a little bit. Yeah. Listen to what he said after this. He said, "Which makes me neck with, with no left with with no neck left to hang the chain with, which makes me neckless, mm-hmm. like a necklace theft." Mm-hmm. Like he's robbing himself in his mind. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, and I ain't used my headrest yet. That's just brilliant fucking right. It's like, and yeah. I ain't used my headrest yet. It's like, well, you can't because you're brainless. You don't have a head, yeah. Sure. <laughs> like a Bob craneless. Yeah. Or foreplay less sex. It's so brilliant. It's so, so good. Brilliant. So good. It's so good. It's so good on every level. And, and he says, they said they need proof like a vestless chest. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. They say they need proof like a vestless chest. They're saying if you were to take a bulletproof vest off, the bullets would hit, and then you'd have the dead body. They want proof 
like a vestless chest, as in like when the bullets hit your body without a chest, they want the body. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the way a critic or the way a fan thinks about it. They say they need proof like a vestless chest. And he's giving you proof. That's what these bars are. Like they're, they're bullets, right? He's, right. And he's giving you the evidence, right? Yep. And, and this is just the third verse. But he also juxtaposed who he is at the end, too. He says, you know, chest high and rising, almost touching the knees of stewardess and the pilot. So like, way up in the stop. air. I'm way up in the air. Listen, lucky they make it. You fly with personal floating devices, tricks falling out of my sleeves. That they also deflect. fits back with the vest, too, because that goes back with the life vest, too. Correct. He's, he, no, it all connects. Mm-hmm. But then he goes, David Blaine, mm-hmm. make it rain. You make a boat. I make a plane. You get what he's saying? He's mm-hmm. saying, you're going to stay down here on this low tide. The shit that I write is high above the clouds. You mm-hmm. make a boat. I make a plane. As in, you make shit that stays and docks back on the ground. I make shit that flies above water. And, and the also, uh, uh, there's a boat, there's a plane is with the intro to Superman, too. And and, and it's, this is right after juxtaposing the whole David Blaine tricks part where David Blaine has notoriously done stuff and come out of water in boats. So he's even juxtaposing it to using the David Blaine. And hovered line. above land, too. Like he's like, yeah. He's brilliant. It's mind blowing stuff. It's mm-hmm. mind blowing stuff. This is not regular. Writing. No, no, which which is why I wanted to pick one of the the greatest songwriting um, things from from the from Leonard Cohen from Hallelujah too, like because this is like a, a way high level. At the time that this record was made, and a lot of people feel like he's personally surpassed this with some of this record, but this is still the most beautifully complex rap song ever. Mm-hmm. Like in a beautiful way, in a way that the complexity of it doesn't miss you too much like he's done stuff on further than this lyrically but it's harder to catch it's Mm -hmm. like no you catch just enough of this that it makes you pause and go back and understand rewind and rewrite and recite and that's when it's beautiful when you're that complex it can be too complex to the point that people don't want to hear the shit yeah and it's 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 hard too like the the beat and the the dumber girl like that stuff like that's that's heavy, man. Like it's yeah. grungy too. Like it's not just. But it's. But how does he start off the song? I'm fearless. Now hear this. Mm-hmm. I'm earless, and I'm peerless. That means I'm eyeless, which means I'm tearless, which means my iris resides where my ears is. This is how the song starts. It's, it's fucking sick, dude. That's some of the best rap stuff ever, Andrew. Yeah. Like right there, because because the, a rapper is supposed to be what. Always confident. So he tells you, I'm fearless. Now hear this. I'm earless. And I'm peerless. Which means like... I'm not even going to be able to hear it. If you talk to me, I'm I'm not even going to hear you. I can't hear what you're saying, but he said, and I'm peerless. He said, that means I'm eyeless, which means you can't see me. (laughs) That's what he's saying when I'm saying, and I'm peerless. That means I'm eyeless. He's saying, motherfucker, you can't see me. This is MC shit. So even though he's being lyrical and technical... He starts off the song the way every rap great rapper is supposed to. You can't fuck with me. Here's why. Mm-hmm. He's saying it in the most intelligent way ever. I'm fearless. Now hear this. I'm earless. Like, I can't hear you. I'm on another level. And I'm peerless. That means I'm eyeless. You can't see me. I can't see you. Which means, my, which means I'm tearless. Which means I'm not going to shed a tear when I do this to you. 
Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Like he's talking intelligently and lyrically and with literary devices, but he's also talking shit like a rapper is supposed yeah. to talk shit on record. Yeah, right. Doing both of those things together is yes. not an easy thing to do. My iris resides where my ears is, which means I'm blinded, but I'm a find it. I can feel its nearness, but I'm a beer. So I don't come near like a chicken or a deer. But remember, I'm not a listener or a seer. So my windshield smear. Yep. But also also like it, throughout not to get too put too fine a point on the literary history here, but like all like Greek myths have like a blind prophet in them, too. He's also like kind of not to use an eye pun, but he's also kind of winking at that, too, like because he uses the word no. seer in there, too. So no. it's like th- there's a, a blind prophet that can like see the future better than anybody who actually has sight. I mean, no. that's, and that's a thing throughout literary history. Right. And that's why he brings up the seer line. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that's what I mean. It's like, man, he's doing so much stuff to talk this on. He's covering Greek and Roman literature. He's covering all literary devices. Well, he's talking as much shit as you want a rapper to really talk shit starting off a song because he's literally starting off saying, I can't hear you and you can't see me. Fuck mm-hmm. you. Yep. Yeah. What yeah. more do you want? Like, like, that's what I mean. It's like, it's everything. And so this is made in 2007. I still think that, like, if I was if I was showing somebody, well, what is a lyricist and what does a lyricist do and what do they bring to the table of the mm-hmm. culture of music in the hip hop format? This is the record that I play. You know, yeah, it's I could think of Nas and Rakim records, but you could teach this record to mm-hmm. your students oh, without question. It's it's literally something that could be taught in class, mm-hmm. like from a literary perspective. Yeah, yeah, just the wordplay alone. You know, you, I'm about to say, you could probably spend a week teaching your students these three verses and, you know, the things. Mm-hmm. You could literally have a game be like, find the literary devices in this verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, well, it's all of those things, actually. Like, he's doing this, he's doing that. Yeah. So yeah. it's it, it's a special of a hip-hop record that you'll find that doesn't get talked about the way that it should. Yeah. He also responds, he also, in both of the court, in the both of the hooks, he is responding to both groups of people who are telling him to dumb it down. But the first one seems to be like his peers, like the people in the hip hop community. And the second one seems to be referring to like the record executives. I mean, it's definitely a white people voice. Um, I don't know if they got a white guy on there to do it, but it's definitely a white people voice. Um, So it's that kind of, they're all there is, he's showing you all of the arguments against Mm -hmm. writing a song like this and saying, I'm not dumbing down, which is what he says at the end, right? Like, yeah, he's pretty much saying that the corporations aren't going to push this song, and they didn't. He's pretty much the streets aren't going to love this song and canonize this, song, canonize this song, and they didn't. But here's the reality of the matter. They were supposed to, and that's what he was saying, because mm-hmm. this is one of the greatest rap records ever. And I'm peerless. Peerless. Yeah. Which he is. Like, like, yeah. and I've even said this on According to Hip Hop. If you want to say that lyrically, he's lyrically the best guy to ever pick it up, that's a valid argument yeah. because because here's the thing, Rakim and Nas don't do that, but he can't make the songs that they make. He doesn't have their classics, but they don't have this. But I think this is a classic, you know? Yeah. 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 It's it's the genius of this song to me is that it does both of those things. It's really, really, really hard. One of the critiques I've had of my writing, like going through college as a writer or whatever, um, is that I paid, which is why the song hits like here for me is that 
one of the critiques I hear heard all the time is that I would spend more time working on like how the words fit together and the word play and less on the message that was coming from them. I was more interested in like how it's sounding cool than it like meaning something. And to do both of those things in the same piece is very difficult to do. Totally. I, I had the same struggle when I was an artist where people were like, man, you're so worried about the words that you're using and putting words together and you know how it, I'm like, well, I'm a writer. Yeah. You know, that's what writers do. And so I think for me, the second verse, and this is why I kind of held it. The second verse is the highlight of the song to me. Okay. And so, because he, this is what I mean, he expresses and explains everything that he is as an MC. Like his whole style, his whole genre is in here. He said, and I'm mouthless, which means I'm soundless. As far as the hearing, I've found it. It was as far as the distance from the earring to the ground is. Mm. But the dark, but the door knockers on the ear of a stewardess in a leer. She's fine and she's flying. I feel I'm flying by him because my mind's on cloud nine and in a mine at the same time. Right. Then he goes and listen to this. And this is what I mean. He stays on his rap shit. He goes, pimp, see the wings on an underground king. This is after using a flying metaphor. Mm -hmm. Pimp, see the wings on this underground king. The rap group Underground Kings, Pimp, see from mm -hmm. the underground kings. Even so, I know who UGK is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But no, even, but what I'm saying is, even when he's using the flying and the stewardess and the leer metaphor, he brings it back to rap. Pimp, see the wings on this underground king. Mm -hmm. That's one of those hip hop declarations. And it's one of those things that lets you know that it's like he's going somewhere high, high level. But it's still hip hop going on yeah. with him. Yeah. But then he goes back into his shit, who's also a Klingon to infinity and beyond. So <laughs> who's also a Klingon. So now we got Star Trek. So think about this. Mm -hmm. We just went from Underground Kings, UGK, Port Arthur, Texas, to Star Trek. He literally went from Texas to outer space in a bar. Listen. Yep. To infinity and beyond. Something really stinks, but I Sphinx like Leon. Leon. Yep. So we went to boxing, but Sphinx is spelled Sphinx like Egypt, which goes to the next bar or lying. Like has an I'm lying. Has an I'm lying, lying in the desert. You get the wordplay? He yeah. uses lying twice, as in like, no, no, no. Something really stinks, but I Sphinx like Leon. And then he goes, I'm lying. A lion in the desert. Has in the Sphinx I'm really talking about isn't Leon Sphinx. I'm lying to like you. The... I'm talking about the lion in the desert Sphinx. And then he goes back into his, this is that hip hop shit that I'm better than you shit. I'm flying on a Pegasus. You flying on a pheasant. When I heard that, speaking I was all, like, Speaking of all the Greek mythology stuff, I mean, Sphinx is too. I mean, yeah. Correct. So I was about to say, we can go to the... I was about to say, we can go historically to the Egypt, to the Greeks, to the Romans. I mean, all the Sphinx stuff is all right there. Mm -hmm. you, so, so there's history right there. And then, and then this is the best part. Writer of the white powder, picker of the fire flowers. That's Mario Brothers. Picker of the fire flowers. Mm -hmm. That's Mario Brothers. So think about it. We got Pimp C from UGK. Yeah. We got Mario Brothers. We got Star Trek. We got this. We got Leon Sphinx. We got the Sphinx in Egypt, and then he goes 
spit hot fire like Dylon on Chappelle's skit. I love that. So now you got jokes on top yeah. of it. Because because Dylon obviously is not a joke, but like he he was portrayed as a joke on that show. Like, but he's a and Chappelle shit. Def, Chappelle's skit. He definitely is portrayed as kind of right. Who's the best Dylon? Dylon. That yeah. that's immortalizing <laughs> hip hop culture forever. Yeah. And so go spit hot fire like Donald, like like Dylon on Chappelle's skit. Everybody knows, and you're like, oh shit, this guy's epic. Because this is not old Lupe. This is young Lupe. You mm-hmm. haven't heard him a whole, whole lot. You've heard his first album in a mixtape. Mm-hmm. And so when he's spitting shit like this, you're like, you, you just heard those six bars I just ran down, right? Everything that he went through. Mm-hmm. No MC can do that. I don't think. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Not like that. To go from UGK, to use a flying metaphor. To go to the flying a, metaphor goes through all three verses too. Like it's not. Yes. No. He's letting you know he's above the clouds and he's past everybody. That's part of it. He's letting yep. you know I'm, I'm. He's literally letting you know I exist on a higher terrain. And he uses the continual floating device, flying and floating, to mm-hmm. let you know I'm flying with this shit, not grounded with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of the best rap songs ever. Yeah. The the, the note that I made um, is that the the spiritual cousin in the in the rock and roll world um where it's a reasonably famous song that is the the artist showing off um and, and doing it in a brilliant way not just showing off is um van halen's eruption um which i did not pick to pair with this because there's no lyrics to it at all it's just eddie van is eddie van halen going ape shit on the guitar <laughs> That that's the rock and roll like the the cousin to this, like the spiritual cousin to this. It's the a guy just showing off because he can, because I'm better than you, and I know I'm better than you, and you're all going to observe how much better I am than you. Lupe's rationale rationale isn't just to show that I'm better. It was kind of like a time piece to be like, hey, it doesn't have to be dumbed down to be a great artist or to be a great record. So he, yeah. you know, he. Had- motivations for doing that that was out yeah and I, I don't mean to like to condescend to lupe either like and, and eddie van halen didn't do it for that reason either like it's not right. it's, no, it's just so uh, it, it, it's some a lot of the uh, the impulse is like look at the cool shit i can do like right oh no, no, every everybody does that we're still those kids that it's like when we get the bike and we learn how to pop a wheelie we go show all our friends like yeah. we're still all those kids inherently with whatever it is that we do it's that like, comes around full circle, right? Like it's to, to where I started with this, which is like everybody who has a, a special talent needs to find some kind of outlet out. for it. Yeah. And I knew this one was going to be deeper just generally because of how the the lyrical content was. And this is a song about you know, lyrical content more than anything. And they're both songs that I, I, I like I knew you hadn't heard Hallelujah before, but like I, I knew 
given your life experiences that it would like hit home yeah. and um and dumb it down does the same thing for me too so i mean hallelujah does too it's not yeah yeah like like when i sent you like some of the lupe stuff i was like he's gonna love dumb it down like because everybody that i know that like loves words and that's a writer that hasn't heard dumb it down when i send them dumb it down they're like what the fuck is this man i'll be like yeah, this is nice this is right because nice. every all of us that love words hear this and we're like oh man this is like holy grail type of shit like yeah. like reps type of stuff and, and it makes you wonder it's like why is nobody ever talking about this record yeah I was music. like, I heard that was my reaction. Like, I, I I'd never heard it before, and right. then I was like, what, what? This is why? Why so, hasn't this been like a huge, 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 huge thing? So when I talk about him and his career on according to hip hop and part mm -hmm. of the issue that he has to me, that's my issue. I'm like, you didn't make enough records like this, and everybody's like, but Coop, he makes records more complex than that, and I'm like, that's the problem. This yeah. record complicated enough. And and that's that's the other that's the dark side of what we were talking about too. Like, because just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? Correct. That's and, what I mean. And this song, this song is hard though, man. Like the like the beat and the the way yes. like, it goes. Like, oh, so, like it's not. It, it has it's it's got the lyrical content, but it also like you can listen to it with the windows down and stuff. No. Like it's it's that kind of song too. No, it's it's got all the elements. And what I've told people is that the reason that people didn't gravitate to this song and is because, A, he does have better stuff on the album that's easier to listen to, like mm -hmm. lyrically speaking. And so they geared towards that. But he stopped making records like this. It was like the point after Dumb It Down is like, let me top Dumb It Down. Let me top this and let me top that. And it was like, Dumb It Down is where he should have stayed. Like that was far enough. Like where he went in 2007 with it, he could have stayed there until now and it would have been perfectly fine. He kept going further and you lose people when you go further and you lose some of your catalog. Like, I don't know enough about his his further catalog to, to speak on that really. Go play, go pull up Mural and you'll see what I'm talking about. I have heard that. Like, that, that's one of those things that it was also a great song, but like, it's that's what I mean. But it's not dumb it down. It's like, it's like seven minutes and it's like, no, you're going too far, dude. It's like, this record's great. But if you want people to remember you the way that they should, you know? Mm hmm. Well, and, that's always, and, and that's always been the frustrating thing, like not with him necessarily, maybe with him too. I don't know him well enough to say, but like, like you're look at, look at what you're capable of. Like, look, look, right. look at what you can do. Like, and but that, that, see, how about this? More of that. See, how about this? He still has to prove that he's the smartest kid in the class for some reason. Right. And that's the thing. Like, and, and that coming back around again, like your peers, the wider culture either don't get it at all or they are upset at you for like showing off not for showing off but for like being smarter than everybody is not as, as much of a problem as if everybody else thinks that you think that you're smarter well like, he does think that and it's like everybody for years now has been like we get it and we don't care anymore it's like you're he's our age so it's like that, that i'm smarter than you in the room effect kind of wears off after you're like 30 you know what i yeah. mean and so the last 10 years, it's been like, no, we get it. You're smarter than all of us. Like, will you make some music that we like, please? Yeah, <laughs> because clearly you're capable, right? Like, clearly you're capable. Clearly capable. More than capable of doing it. 